Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm 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 raising a glass, metaphorically speaking, because it's illegal to uh, broadcast intoxicated. Uh, I'm raising a glass to myself. Strangely enough, because nobody else is here. Are you guys? No, there is nobody else here. Because this literally, literally, if I could say the word, is the 34th anniversary of the beginning of this whole crazy, cray-cray broadcast and podcast. It started on December 3rd, so next year, when there's a proper anniversary, 35th, it won't be the right date. It'll be some other date. But this is literally the date, December 3rd, when the, the this all began. This, all of this, <laughs> this me, and some stuff, some papers, and some recorded material. And uh, I have to say that among the, uh, I, I'm, I'm humbled and uh, honored or and num- benumbed, benumbled by two things. The uh, number of radio stations that have stuck with us on this program since it began to be distributed outside Los Angeles and the stations that have bailed on the program over the years, including our original home station. Much love. Um, but I'm also honored. I now share a distinction with Garrison Keeler, and you'll hear why he got canned from Minnesota Public Radio later in this broadcast. But I have to explain now that uh, the reason this program has long not been heard on Minnesota Public Radio has nothing to do with bathrobes, wandering arms, appendages of any sort. Early, early on in the syndication life of the program, um, I had the facility technically and the interest comedically in hearing how, it, how the program sounded on other stations that carried it around the country. It was such a novelty to me. And one day I heard the announcer on Minnesota Public Radio saying, in introducing this program, stay tuned for Lay Show. And I played a recording of that that I happened to have, happened to make, on the air. And they got so ticked off, they canceled the program. So a little more trivial than what Gar... You know, it wasn't really a big deal after all. Ladies and gentlemen, with each flush, you're driving fish crazy. New research has found that human antidepressant medications are accumulating in the brains of fish in the Great Lakes. Earlier research had indicated the drugs could be making fish antisocial and unnaturally aggressive. We'll send them to British soccer games. They'll fit right in. The scientists behind the recent study looked at fish living in the Niagara River. You call that living? Which connects Lake Erie and Lake Ontario via Niagara Falls. The continuous release of pharmaceuticals and personal care products, or PPCPs, into freshwater systems impacts the health of aquatic organisms, they concluded, adding that cause was direct exposure to the discharge from wastewater treatment plants. Approximately 70% of the pharmaceuticals you take, ladies and gentlemen, this will disgust you, I hope, are excreted in urine and subsequently aren't filtered out by municipal sewage systems, which primarily focus on removing bacteria and solids 
like you know what the solids are I'm referring to. I don't do I have to spell out solids for you at this point in time. So Prozac and other medications end up in the river, leaving fish and other wildlife exposed to a host of foreign chemicals. I'll be your host of foreign chemicals for tonight. In addition to various pharmaceuticals, the researchers found ingredients from personal care products in the bodies of all ten fish species that could have significant impacts not just on the species impacted, but up and down the food chain and entire ecosystems. One impact is on the behavior of the fish. Did you know fish had behavior? They just look so fishy. When fish swim in waters tainted with antidepressant drugs, they become anxious, antisocial, and sometimes even homicidal, writes uh, one of the researchers, who notes that pharmaceuticals can alter genes responsible for building fish brains. That sounds like a good weekend hobby, building fish. Antidepressants cause changes in the hormone levels of fish, according to a 2014 study. That study by researchers from University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee warned that even low concentrations of fluoxetine, that would be your Prozac, has been found in many freshwater ecosystems and can significantly impact mating behavior, significantly nest building and defending in male fish. When male minnows were exposed to Prozac, they ignored females and spent... More time hiding under a tile, which, strangely enough, resulted in lower reproductive rates. If you want to uh, lower the population of male minnows, spread that Prozac around. In addition, they took longer in capturing prey and also became aggressive, in some cases even killing females. No, don't even say it. Adding to the concern is the fact that the fish behavior was altered even low dosage-wise of the drug. Antidepressants were detected in all 10 species studied, including largemouth bass, white bass, white perch, and yellow perch. Perch. They uh, found Celexa, Paxil, Zoloft, Effexor, and Welbutrin, Prozac, and Zoloft, as well as an antihistamine. They are accumulating in fish brains, says one of the researchers. It is a threat to biodiversity, and we should be very concerned, but not aggressive and not depressed. Wastewater treatment plants don't filter out these drugs, wildlife exposed to all of these chemicals 24 hours a day. In the Great Lakes fish, the highest bioaccumulation was found in the brain, followed by liver, muscle, and gonads. About 250 million prescriptions are filled for antidepressants every year. They are the highest documented drugs contaminating waterways. So every time you flush, you drive a fish crazy, ladies and gentlemen. That's the good news from Hello, Welcome to the Show. Today, I really thought I'd reach the other side. That spot... That point on the horizon that I've always seen so clearly Today, someone left me standing in the rain Through crumbs, so I could get real hopeful And then taste another near But I can't see the rainbow And it hasn't even rained The stars shine long before the sun has set And yes, my shirt sleeves up oh, here I go again I through and roll Through and roll 
Santa Monica, California, the home of the homeless. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this beginning of year 35. <laughs> That's embarrassing of this program. The subject of bacterial resistance to antibiotics is uh, something it's been dealt with on this program from time to time. Now, an international agency speaks up on the subject. Who? That's right, the World Health Organization. In a major new statement, the uh, WHO. Who said who is urging livestock agriculture and fish farming worldwide to sharply cut, there's those fish again, to sharply cut antibiotic use, reserving the precious drugs for animals that are sick and then choosing only antibiotics that are not important to human medicine. These sweeping recommendations go farther than regulations created by governments, including the U.S., well, we're, we don't do regulations. We were released this week at a press conference in Geneva. Scientific evidence, says the WHO, not the WHO, says WHO, no, says the World Health Organization, demonstrates that overuse of antibiotics in animals can contribute to the emergence of antibiotic, antibiotic resistance, says the WHO's director of food safety. The volume of antibiotics used in animals is continuing to increase worldwide, driven by growing demand for foods of animal origin often produced through intensive animal husbandry, he says. Or wifery, I would add, just to be fair. Since antibiotics were first introduced in the 1940s, they've been used not just to treat animal diseases, but to speed up meat production and make it less expensive by forcing animals to put on weight more rapidly and protecting them from infections passed by other animals in crowded conditions. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Those last two uses, growth promotion and prevention, require doses of the drugs that are much smaller, than those needed to cure diseases. Those are much more likely to encourage the emergence and survival of resistant bacteria. They've caused epidemics, have those bacteria of drug-resistant infections in people, both foodborne diseases and other illnesses that have no obvious connection to farms. Over the decades, some governments have restricted antibiotic use in livestock. The UK in 1971, Scandinavian countries in the 1980s, the U.S. announced its own restrictions, which took effect this year, in January. Because we're so ahead of the th- the new WHO recommendations aimed to tackle problems. Since uh, those controls address only growth promotion, none deal with the problem of nations with strict controls being vulnerable to resistant bacteria leaking from nations that are lax. So the WHO... Not the WHO. The World Health Organization recommends all use of medically important antibiotics in animals should be reduced. No medically important antibiotics should be used for growth promotion or record promotion, for that matter. No medically important antibiotics should be used for disease prevention. 
and no critically important antibiotics should be used in animals, even for treatment of diagnosed diseases. And no human-use antibiotics should be used in agriculture if they're not being used already. No newly developed human-use antibiotics should be allowed into agriculture. The recommendations are only advisory. The World Health Organization has no power. We'll file that report then in the must-do file. And now... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole, Jr. Wow, there's so much Olympic news this week, you'd almost think it was the Olympics. Russia's new Olympic outfitter unveiled national team apparel this week, six days before the IOC will announce if Russia is even going to be allowed to participate in the Pyeongchang Winter Games. The Russian Olympic Committee president and Olympians, including figure skaters and a tennis star, were among the attendees, according to Russian media. The Russian Olympic Committee tweeted the image of shirts that read, I don't do doping. I am ZA Sport, which is the new Olympic outfitter. For the second time this year, a small hot air balloon, also known as a lantern, has set fire to the velodrome built for last year's Rio Olympics. The Olympic Legacy Governing Authority confirmed the cause of the blaze that broke out before dawn a week ago in the Olympic Park. It was the same thing that happened at the end of the July. A lantern reached a portion of the roof of the building, said the statement. Local media showed firefighters standing on the roof of the building, putting out the fire. The racing surface for the costly venue was made of Special Siberian wood, a requirement that made the cycling venue one of the last to be ready for the Olympics. It cost 40, $45 million for cycling. Despite being illegal, the release of the handmade lanterns is common in Brazil. They often cause fires when they land. Many of Rio's sports venues are boarded up or tr- struggling to find a use 15 months after the game ended, after Brazil spent $13 billion in public and private money to organize the games. Some people put the figure at $20 billion, but they're just optimists. Boris Johnson, the British foreign minister, was accused this week of costing taxpayers $435 million by bungling the conversion of London's Olympic Stadium. An independent probe, those can hurt, found a catalog of errors occurred while it was turned into a multi-purpose venue, which is now home of a soccer team, West Ham United. The London mayor says he'll, the new London mayor, says he'll take over full control of the stadium in a bid to repair the financial damage done by his predecessor. We'll look forward to that. Uh, The 169-page report by accountants Moore Stevens found that the $435 million cost of the conversion would never be recovered and the stadium itself will continue to lose up to $27 million a year. That's that's a legacy. The decision to transform the stadium and enter into an onerous contract with the soccer club, West Ham, was made on incorrect financial estimates caused by errors in their calculation, compilation, and presentation, along with an insufficient appreciation of the risks involved, said the report. The new mayor said the cons of their findings were simply staggering. No, that's just Boris Johnson. And International Olympic Committee... Coordination Commission Chair for Paris 2024, Pierre-Olivier Becker-Pierre-Vaujean, admits the event will be crucial in shaping the long-term future of the Games. 
He spoke on the opening day of an orientation seminar on what is to be the first time the event has been fully open to the media, that seminar. A more collaborative approach between the IOC and the organizing committee. Ensuring Paris 2024 doesn't undergo cost overruns and suffer questions about corruption and a lack of transparency is seen as vital to convince other cities about the merits of the bid. Because the celebration of the Olympic Games is one of the pillars of the, Olymp- of the Olympic movement, he said. I'm wondering, what are the others? Oh, it's the Olympics. It's a movement, and we all need one. Every day. This program is focusing, ladies and gentlemen, on the big news of the week, which does not involve <laughs> President Trump. Um, I should say on that subject that just in passing, the um, the tweet that he published early in the week criticizing CNN International had the predictable effect. Donald Trump has been playing this game with the media since uh, he was in New York batting the ball back and forth with the New York tabloids about his sex life 30 years ago, or his alleged sex life. And I, I happened to be in London watching CNN International, which has been known, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you're sitting down, has been known to produce a half hour of news without a single panel breaking it down for you. You know what I'm saying? Actual news. But on the occasion of that tweet, they had about 15 minutes of people yakking about, what does this mean? What is this? What is he? uh, What's the impact? What is the? It's almost as if, I say almost, as if the uh, folks in the mainstream news media are as concerned about what people think of them as Donald Trump is about what people think of him. In uh, improv theater circles, it's called a mirror game. But anyway, the the big news of the week uh, that I was referring to earlier is, of course, the reckoning, the reckoning on the subject of men and women, in uh, men in positions of power and women in other positions. Uh, we'll be getting to that shortly. But first, this is your brain on the war on drugs. More than 6,000 drug cases will be dismissed in Massachusetts due to the misconduct of a former state drug lab chemist, Sonia Farak. That's Farakking going on up there. This includes a whole bunch of states, district attorneys in other counties than the ones that were covered by this dismissal must file court documents this week detailing how many cases they are, they are going to dismiss. Farak was arrested in 2013 for stealing samples from the Amherst Drug Lab for the best of reasons, to feed her own addiction. She later pleaded guilty to evidence tampering and drug charges. The ACLU and others filed a lawsuit arguing that every case involving her should be dismissed. Uh, a judge has ruled that two assistant attorneys general withheld evidence in the case. Uh, 
Another 21,800 cases were previously dismissed in a separate case in Massachusetts involving misconduct by another drug lab state chemist, Annie Dukin, who allegedly falsified test results. This is your brain on the war on drugs. Is is Jeff Sessions taking notes on all of this? Probably not, because he's not going to be there for very long. But now, news from outside the bubble. South Korea is going to write off the debts of as many as 1.6 million people to do to ease the financial burden on low-income individuals. This is according to the BBC. The scheme is open to certain Koreans who have struggled to repay debts of less than $9,100. They'll be paid in part out of the government's National Happiness Fund set up to help troubled borrowers. This is South Korea. Ladies and gentlemen, individuals must prove they earn a monthly income of less than $910 and show they've struggled to pay back their debt for more than a decade. The plan could clear as much as $5.7 billion in bad debts. The policy is designed to help individuals make a fresh start by relieving their debt burdens. They'll be written off in part through funds sourced from other lenders and the National Happiness Fund, which was established way back in 2013 to help the poorest Koreans manage their debt. Are you? This is South Korea, I'm reminding you. Again, you know, free market South Korea. Uh, the scheme of the National Happiness Fund was a key campaign pledge of the former South Korean President Park Chung-hee, who vowed to tackle growing inequality in the country. This is South Korea. The fund has provided $6.3 billion in debt restructuring since it was founded way back in 2013. Household debt is a significant issue in South Korea. As it is in other countries that don't have a happiness fund. News from outside the bubble, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think of that? Yes, I will. Upset. News of microplastics. Arts and crafts enthusiasts have known for years that glitter attaches itself everywhere, never seems to come off. Scientists now say the sticky decorations are an ecological hazard that needs to be banned across the globe. They argue the risk of pollution specifically to the oceans is too great to ignore. The tiny plastic particles need to be outlawed. I think all glitter should be banned because it's microplastic, says Dr. Teresa Farrelly of New Zealand's Massey University. Microplastics are less than five millimeters in length. The small size of the craft supply reportedly makes glitter appealing for many animals who eat the dangerous objects. Glitter and bee... A study by Professor Richard Thompson, not the musician, claimed that plastics were found in a third of all fish caught in Great Britain. And those are the ones that aren't being driven crazy by the other stuff. Quote, I was quite concerned by somebody when somebody bought my daughter some shower gel that had glitter particles in it, Thompson said. That stuff is going to escape down the plug hole and potentially enter the environment. Well, plug the plug hole. Some British nurseries have already banned the products from their facilities. The country is especially, uh, expected to officially ban items that contain microbeads next year. 
There are 22,000 nurseries in Great Britain, so for all getting through kilos and kilos of glitter, we're doing terrible damage, said one proprietor. In America, only seven states have passed legislation to restrict the use and sale of microbeads and products such as facial scrubs and body washes. California was the first. So get that glitter out of your life. Because the fish, <laughs> the fish have enough problems. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get to all of the uh, explanations and apologies on the subject of, gee, I didn't know women didn't like that. But I am in, I have a source, I actually have a source uh, at um, NBC. And in the wake of the rapid, at least rapid in, uh, in this time frame, firing of former Today Show co-host Matt Lauer this week, NBC had a, uh, an all-hands meeting. I think this was for everybody in NBC News in Washington and New York. And uh, according to my source, it was filled with sincerity. You know, please, please let us know if anything is, if anything, here are all these ways you can get in touch with. And, you know, please, don't, don't be afraid. And we want to hear. And uh, I can't confirm this. I don't even have one source for this. But apparently NBC's um, senior news anchor, Tom Brokaw, capped off the meeting with a song. You're once, twice, three times a lady, and I, I love you. I love you. I confess I grew up in my life 
From the home of the homeless, this is Le Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week. And what a week it is. We're so sorry. Apple, the, uh, well, it was a technology company. Then it was a consumer products company. Now it's a fashion company. They've uh, put out an emergency software patch to address an, a vulnerability in the new Operating system, High Sierra version 10.13.1, 10.13.1, that allowed miscreants to log into Macs without passwords and let any app gain root privileges, which is like the biggest deal on your computer. That gets you, that gets you everything. The uh, security update was uh, brought out this week after the word of the bug and methods to exploit it ran wild over the internet. We greatly regret this error and we apologize to all Mac users, Apple said in a statement. Our customers deserve better. (laughs) No kidding, but we still have Macs. Oh, I see what you're saying. We are auditing our development processes to help prevent this from happening again. But meantime, it's so thin. We regret that facts made their way into our narrative. That is a new apology. From uh, a fake news site, freedomjunction.com. Statement came after the site received significant criticism for a story it published late October, falsely claiming that one of the American soldiers killed in Niger was a deserter. It was an interesting move from a site that's classified by PolitiFact as a parody fake news site. Another example of the blurring of the line between satire and deliberate misinformation. I think the line is really clear. Satire is funny. That's just me. What would I know? Hey, ABC News has apologized and suspended Brian Ross over a bombshell report that turned out to be incorrect on President Donald Trump and former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn's outreach to Russian officials. We deeply regret and apologize for the serious error we made. 
The reporting conveyed by Brian Ross during the special report had not been fully vetted through our editorial standards process, ABC News said. Ross will be suspended for four weeks without pay. As news of Flynn's plea deal for lying to the FBI was breaking, on Friday, Ross incorrectly reported, based on an unnamed source, that Flynn would testify that then-candidate Trump directed him to make contact with the Russians. Trump himself. The network later issued an on-air clarification that their source had explained it was only after the election and during the transition period when Trump was not a candidate but a president-elect. Asked Flynn at that point to contact Russia on issues including working together to fight IS. The network issued this full apology and correction. Okay, let's get to him. Russell Simmons, the founder of hip-hop music label Def Jam Recordings, released a statement this week after screenwriter Jenny Lumet accused him of forcing her to have sex with him in 1991, detailing the encounter in a guest column in The Hollywood Reporter. I have been informed with great anguish of Jenny Lumet's recollection about our night together in 1991, Simmons says in a statement. I know Jenny and her family and have seen her several times over the years since the evening she described. While her memory of that evening is very different from mine, it is now clear to me that her feelings of fear and intimidation are real. While I've never been violent, I have been thoughtless and insensitive in some of my relationships over many decades, and I sincerely and humbly apologize. This is a time of great transition. The voices of the voiceless, those who have been hurt or shamed, deserve and need to be heard. I don't want to be a distraction, so I'm removing myself from the businesses that I founded. The companies will be run by a new and diverse generation of extraordinary executives who are moving the culture and consciousness forward. I will convert the Studio for Yogic Science into a not-for-profit center of learning and healing. That's the apology from Russell Simmons. But wait, there's so many more. Matt Lauer as I mentioned earlier, was fired this week following allegations of quite severe sexual misconduct, including having that uh, button that could allow him to lock his office door without having to get up from his chair and then taking advantage of it. Quote from Matt Lauer, There were no words to express my sorrow and regret for the pain I've caused others by words and actions. To the people I have hurt, I'm truly sorry. As I am writing this, I realize the depth of the damage and disappointment I've left behind at home and at NBC. Some of what is being said about me is untrue or mischaracterized, but there is enough truth in these stories to make me feel embarrassed and ashamed. I regret that my shame is now shared by the people I cherish deeply. John Lasseter, former head of Pixar, I've always wanted our animation studios to be places where creators can explore their vision with the support and collaboration of other gifted storytellers. This kind of creative culture takes constant vigilance to maintain. As a leader, it's my responsibility to ensure that leaders, members of the team feel valued. I now believe I've been falling short in this regard. I've recently had a number of difficult conversations that have been very painful for me. It's never easy to face your missteps, but it's the only way to learn from them. As a result, I've been giving a lot of thought to the leader I am today compared to the mentor, advocate, and champion I want to be. It's been brought to my attention that I've made some of you feel disrespected or uncomfortable. That was never my intent. Collectively, you mean the world to me, and I deeply apologize if I've let you down. I especially want to apologize to anyone who's ever been on the receiving end of an unwanted hug 
or any other gesture they felt crossed the line in any way, shape, or form. He's leaving Pixar. Geraldo Rivera has backed away from his tweets defending Matt Lauer. In a statement to Twitter, he offered this apology. Reaction to my tweets on sex harassment makes clear I didn't sufficiently explain that this is a horrendous problem long hidden. Harassers are deviants who deserve what is coming to them. Often victims are too frightened to come forward in a timely fashion. I humbly apologize. He had earlier called Lauer a great guy and seemed to undermine the allegations of sexual harassment made against the Today host by saying that the news industry is a, quote, flirty business. He had uh, further tweeted, sex sex harassment allegations should should require, one, made in a timely fashion, say within five years, two, some contemporaneous corroboration, like witnesses, three, no, he didn't have a three. And Fox News issued a statement condemning his tweets. They don't reflect the views of Fox News or its management. We were troubled by his comments and are addressing them with him, said the network where last year Bill O'Reilly and Roger Ailes were forced out because of similar allegations. By the way, Fox News hired an independent law firm to investigate themselves once those allegations became public. NBC has uh, turned to in-house investigators to clear up the whole Matt Lauer affair. Just a, a different, you know, approach. And more about Geraldo uh, Rivera. He has now apologized to Bette Midler after she accused him earlier this week of drugging and groping her in the 1970s, which is, of course, the most painful place to be groped. Although I recall the time that Bette Midler has alluded to much differently than she, that does not change the fact that she has a right to speak out and demand an apology from me for, in the very least, publicly embarrassing her all those years ago. Bette, I apologize, says Geraldo Rivera. Midler has not publicly responded. Geraldo, take the rest of the week off, I would say. Nine women have come forward to accuse playwright Israel Horowitz of a pattern of sexual assault and misconduct. They considered him a mentor. This is according to a report in the New York Times. The allegations include groping, forced kissing, rape, and other inappropriate sexual conduct while they worked with Horowitz in their teens or early 20s, starting from the 1980s to as recently as last year. Horowitz, 78 at last count, has written more than 70 plays. Why, that's almost one a year. He denied the allegations to the New York Times, but a rep for the playwright did not immediately respond to NBC's requests for comment. Well, it's NBC. He told the paper that although he has a different memory of some of these events, I apologize with all my heart to any woman who has ever felt compromised by my actions and to my family and friends who have put their trust in me. To hear that I have caused pain is profoundly upsetting, as is the idea that I might have crossed a line with anyone who considered me a mentor. The uh, theater company he was working with said it cut ties with the playwright after learning of the allegations against him. His son, Adam Horowitz, of the Beastie Boys, said in a statement he believed the allegations and supported the women. That, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be an awkward Hanukkah dinner. And finally, just a couple of weeks after, I guess not another, the other Minnesota celebrity, Senator Al Franken issued a a statement very much like those you've heard about the accusations against him. Kirsten Keeler. 
wrote an op-ed defending Senator Franken, and then he's been dropped by Minnesota Public Radio for inappropriate behavior. Toward a co-worker, MPR, MPR, says it's severing all ties to the longtime host of Prairie Home Companion, which she no longer hosts, but uh, it's going to be retitled because Keeler holds that trademark, you see. His old broadcasts, reruns, will no longer be aired. Officials at the network would not comment beyond statements saying they were notified last month of allegations relating to Keeler's conduct while he was producing Prairie Home Companion, you see. I put my hand on a woman's bare back, he told the Minneapolis Star Tribune. I meant to pat her back after she told me about her unhappiness. And her shirt was open. And my hand went up it about six inches. She recoiled. I apologized. I sent her an email of apology later. And she replied that she'd forgiven me and not to think about it. We were friends. We continued to be friendly right up until her lawyer called. This, uh, you may notice, is uh, is in one manner of speaking the opposite of, of what uh, Al Franken was accused of. He was accused of hugging people and his hand slipping down their back to their butt cheek. But at least he had gravity on his side. Keeler went on, It's astonishing that 50 years of hard work can be trashed in a morning by an accusation. I always believed in hard work, and now it feels sort of meaningless. Only a friend can hurt you this badly. I I think I have to leave the country in order to walk around in public and not feel accusing glances. That was in a Facebook post, which he then deleted. And as far north as it's, it's gotten so far, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's going even farther north. Santa's gone off for an afternoon nap. Mrs. Claus pieced together the clues. A hostile play environment was declared for his lap. Then she saw the girls on the news. Extreme vetting the guys, undecking some halls. It's gone quite beyond embarrassment. Clausian confusion infuses the malls. Who knew touching her ass meant harassment? Reckoning time for Santa. His elves are in shock and dismay. They may be boycotting sleigh duty 
He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peeks at no stoops. He's an inspector general. Oh, yeah. Oh, The U.S. Department of Energy has its share of challenges as it conducts some of the world's most high-tech research, maintains a stockpile of nuclear weapons, and cleans up after decades of bomb-making. But a report this week outlines some of those struggles, providing a look at the expansive scope of the department's costly liabilities. According to the agency's inspector general, a growing problem is oversight and management of more than 11,300 contracts keep Operation Humming at the dozens of contaminated sites as well as the national laboratories. The Energy Department is the largest civilian contracting agency within the FedGov. Ninety percent of the $30 billion it gets each year goes towards contracts. It's the old private-public partnership deal. This is according to the Associated Press. The Inspector General's findings this year on the oversight of those contractors is nothing new. Federal accountants have called contract management within the agency high-risk Since 1990, the report identifies millions of dollars in losses related to quality assurance at sites in Washington State, New Mexico, and South Carolina. At Hanford, near Washington, contractors, as we've been reporting in this program, have paid millions to settle allegations that they provided inadequate materials, claimed unnecessary overtime, mischarged costs, and exposed the agency to undue financial risk. At the agency's Sorry, at the nation's only underground nuclear waste repository in southern New Mexico, concerns about quality assurance were raised again a couple months ago. As the report notes, the facility is ramping up work again following a nearly three-year shutdown caused by a radiation release. That put a serious wrinkle in the U.S. efforts to clean up its Cold War-era waste. Given the complexity of the work done by the Energy Department and its role in national security, Watchdog groups say federal agencies should manage the labs, not contractors. That would solve many of the problems. Gee, the contracting thing works okay for the Army Corps of it. Oh, sorry. The uh, Energy Department's officials did not respond to a request for comment on the Inspector General's report. And the Inspector General just said news of Inspector General. It's a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And finally... News of bad banks. Bad bank. Well, we already noted how different we are from South Korea. Here's what Australia is doing. They're going to hold a royal commission inquiry into its entire banking and financial sector. This is a conservative government doing this. To help restore confidence in the sector, the royal commission is the highest form of public inquiry in Australia. Australian banks have been embroiled in scandals in recent times. I guess unlike American banks, right? Hello, Wells Fargo. How are you? Prime Minister Turnbull had resisted calls for a royal commission for more than a year, but faced mounting pressure from other parties and members of his own government. The only way we can give all Australians a greater degree of assurance is a royal commission into misconduct into the financial services industry, he said. He said the regrettable but necessary decision would also help the nation's economy by restoring confidence. That's right, it's a confidence game. The Royal Commission will cover the entire financial industry, including banks, insurers, and financial advisors. 
It'll cost 56 million American dollars. Hand down findings uh, next February, that is 2019. Australian banks have faced various allegations of misconduct in recent years, including those over financial planning, rate rigging, and insurance fraud. So they're not that different from ours, except they're going to get investigated. See, we, we, we retain our confidence no matter what. That's why we're exceptional. News of Bad Banks, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. gentlemen, we've reached the end of the first show of year 35 of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over the same audio device. And it'd be uh, just like you coming to uh, one of the Christmas Without Tears benefits that Judith, and o- Judith Owen and I will be putting on during this month, December 16th at the Coronet well, at the Largo at the Coronet in Los Angeles, Friday, December 22nd, and Saturday, December 23rd at the Le Petit Theater in New Orleans, and uh, December 10th at Evanston, Illinois, Space, but that one's sold out, so fly to Los Angeles or New Orleans. For tickets, go to christmaswithouttears.com. It's all a benefit for local organizations in each city, helping musicians and the homeless. Yes, they're two different groups of people, and they're wonderful Musicians, comedians, performers of all kinds, variety performers uh, on the bill at each of the shows, different ones, local folks and well-known folks as well, and it's, as I say, for a good cause, Christmas Without Tears, and um, a tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile and Hawaii desks, thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson, out there in cyberspace somewhere for help with today's broadcast. 
the email address for this program, a playlist of the music that you hear on it, and your chance to get, wow, holidays are coming, Cars I Talk t-shirts would make such a ridiculously stupid gift. That's available at harryshearer.com. And me, I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.